Welcome to Connections with Rich and Bobby. Hi, this is Rich, Rich Homeris. And I'm Bobby, Bobby Hamlin. Now, on this program, we want you to hear from a very special, dynamic, down to earth man of God who left his longtime pastorate at a church to answer a call to minister to a very unlikely group of people for him, who sadly are almost forgotten behind the scenes. He became the chaplain to Stable Hands at various racetracks in New Jersey. He's Reverend Homer Tricules. And although he is now enjoying his eternal reward in heaven, we thought it good to have you hear our interview that we had with him at the Meadowlands Racetrack in New Jersey. Homer, uh, why don't you describe your uh, sanctuary here? I minister at three racetracks in the state. This is the Meadowlands. I'm also at Monmouth Park, and I'm also at Garden State Park. This sanctuary is a semi-closed-in TV room. The walls around the TV go up two-thirds of the way, so the top is open. And around the TV room, there are pool tables and uh, ping-pong tables and TVs playing and luncheonette counters open. So all during the service, none of that stops. It's like a street meeting. But it's a nice place because it's, we do have enough seats to put around, and the people come. We have lots of racetrackers that come. We've been averaging about 60 every week. And we have um, a different church group come in every Monday night at 7.30. Let me back up there. We're at the Meadowlands Racetrack. And when you say that the racetrackers come in, are these the people that have come to watch the races that are going on before they place their bets? Or uh, you pause and say, we're going to have a meeting and about 60 or so uh, gather together? No. The stable area of the racetrack is a different world altogether. We have about a thousand people that live in the stable area and work with the horses seven days a week. And uh, they live here. So when Monday nights come, we have our services. It's these racetrackers that come. They are the grooms, uh, the hot walkers, the exercise riders, some trainers. It varies, but whoever lives and works with the horses in the stable area, they come for the service, along with the church group that I invite in every Monday night. It's a different church group. Now, let's go back first to you, how you got involved in this, and maybe back a little further first, and how did the Lord draw you to himself? I would need about three hours to tell you the whole story, Bobby. (laughs) Just to make it very brief, I was raised Greek Orthodox. I was called to the ministry before I was a Christian. God touched my heart on a bus one night when I was alone on the bus, and I wish I had time to give you all the details, but it was incredible. I went home and told my mother, and she cried all night told my father the next day, excuse the language, he called me a damn fool and threw me out of the house. And um, told me I was no longer his son. He disowned me, disinherited me, and just told me I couldn't use his name anymore. And it's the only time that my mother ever stood up to my father, because in the Greek home, the father is king. But she told him, if Homer goes, I go. So he backed off. He never talked to me again to his dying day, and he lived to age 93. But I knew I had to be a minister even though I had not even received Christ as Savior. I was not a Christian. And to make a very long story short, I was converted when I was in the Army, Fort Benning, Georgia. They accused me of taking a commission under false pretenses, which I did not do. And in any event, I was released from active duty in 1954. But I was um, facing a court-martial 
And that morning that I was standing waiting to be interviewed by my regimental commander, I took a good look at my life for the first time, and I didn't like what I saw. I had been a hypocrite. Everybody thought I was an angel, and I was a devil. I had lived for lust. So I had an interview with him at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I got there at 7. And I, for the first time in my life, I prayed. I really prayed. It's nothing out of a book. And what I said substantially was, Lord, I think you're for real, because I remember what happened on that bus when you touched my heart. So I'm asking you now to forgive me and to come into my heart and take over my life. It was incredible. The experience I didn't know at the time was a new birth, but I know it was now. And when the uh, regimental commander interviewed me, he recommended against the court-martial. So when I walked out of his office, my feet must have been six inches off the ground. I was floating. And I was home in two months. And a month later, I was in seminary, and I never applied. God did it all. Now, here you've gone from the uh, armed services to... Um you know, seeking uh, God's uh, purpose for your life. Why don't you bring us from that point to uh, the racetrack? Well, one place I never thought I would go to was what was called at that time the Devil's Den, which was the racetrack. Everybody would say, if you go there, you'll taint your testimony. Well, there was a racetrack who started to attend my services when I was pastor at First Baptist in Long Branch, New Jersey. And um, fortunately, my people were loving enough to accept him. Most stable hands, when they try to go to a local church, are rejected, and that's a disgrace. That has changed over the years as we've gotten the churches involved in this ministry, but it was a disgrace back then. Well, he tried to get me to come out to the racetrack and see what was going on, and I wouldn't go. He prayed for me for two years, and uh, all during that time, I knew the Bible had said, go out into the highways and the byways and the hedges and compel people to come in, but I thought to myself, he surely doesn't mean the hedges around the racetrack. So one morning at five o'clock in the morning, this fellow got me out of bed, and that took an act of God. <laughs> and he took me out to the stable area at Monmouth Park. I spent the day there, came home late in the afternoon, and I cried. I wept and I repented because I was wrong. I saw the need. What a marvelous experience of what we're told in Psalm 25, verse 5. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Yes. And stay tuned now, because Reverend Homer Tricules will be right back. And there's so much more to this inspiring story about his racetrack chaplaincy to the stable hands in this whole different world of horse racing. You're listening to Connections with Rich and Bobby, and we'd love to connect with you. Just go to our website at Connections with Rich and Bobby. Now that's all one word, and Bobby is spelled B-O-B-B-I dot com. That's Connections with Rich and Bobby dot com. There you'll find all of our podcasts posted, along with all of our contact information. Also, you can connect with us on social media by friending us on Facebook, post on Instagram, tweet us on Twitter, or listen to our program on Pandora. Now let's get right back to our visit with Chaplain Homer Tricules as he continues sharing how the Lord opened the door for him to be able to minister to the stable hands at the racetracks, where he was at first, of course, a real outsider in a whole new world. I took the uh, idea to my board of deacons, and I told them what I had found, and I told them I think we need to start a ministry out there. 
To my utter amazement, they said, of course, let's do it. That's what it's all about. I almost fell off my chair. So that's when we started. I went to see the um, big shots at the racetrack. None of them would give me permission to come into the stable area and do this. And one day, Mr. Philip Islin came walking down the hall. Now, Phil Islin was Jewish. He owned the racetrack at the time, and he owned the New York Jets at the time. So I stopped him. I said, may I talk to you for a minute? Well, who are you? I'm the local Baptist minister. Well, what do you want? I'd like your permission to come into the stable area and have a ministry here and help the folks that I see there. You mean like a chaplain? And there were no chaplains at that time. That was 1969, all right? I said, well, if you want to call it that, fine. He said, why not? The New York Jets have a chaplain, so come on in. So a Jewish man opened the door for the ministry. Isn't that exciting? Now, what did I find in the stable area? I found a lot of men and women working that nobody cared about. And the racing industry would fall apart if they didn't have the grooms to take care of the horses and the hot walkers to cool them off and the exercise riders to exercise them and the trainers to train them and the veterinarians to look after their health. There'd be no industry without them, so why not care about them? They live in tiny little rooms that they get free but they're not paid well because they get free lodging. So they're very, very lonely. That's the biggest problem at the racetracks because they have to be with the horses all the time. So they get very lonely. And at night when there's nothing much to do unless there's night racing, they can turn to the wrong things. So this is what I found. These poor guys were all by themselves, lonely, nothing to do, and nobody seemed to care. So that's what I minister to. We feed the hungry. We help those who need clothing. We give away tons of clothing. And the Racing Commission here in New Jersey has been marvelous. They took me over to the uh, military surplus store, and we came back with a couple of thousand dollars worth of clothing, and that's what it would have costed you in the mall. At the military surplus store, we got it for $130. It was gone in two days. Two days. The Salvation Army gave me three gigantic boxes full of booties little socks to keep your feet warm in the winter. A day and a half, gone, gone. So the need here is great. Mostly what they need is loving friendship. Then when you really love them and help them, they'll listen to you when you talk about Jesus. Otherwise, it's just preaching. If you go up to a guy, hit him over the head with your Bible and say, are you saved? You're going to hell without Jesus. You lose him. But if you love him and meet his needs, then he listens. So we've had all kinds of decisions for Christ at services, over a cup of coffee in the kitchen, in the stables, anywhere. I was wondering if they welcomed you with open arms when you first got here or if it took a while for them to, um, you know, did they want changed lives or not? When I first got here, I was totally rejected. Nobody would listen to me. Nobody would attend my services. I was lucky if I'd get two or three. So I got very discouraged and I came out from the end of one of these barns after greeting the people there. And they'd say, who are you? I said, well, I'm your chaplain. Well, we never had a chaplain. I said, well, you've got one now. And as I was walking away, I hear them talking behind me, and I can't use their language, of course, but they'd say, who's that jerk with a few four-letter words to modify it? In any event, I got so discouraged, I came out the end of this barn and I prayed. I said, Lord, maybe you got the wrong man for this job, but if you want me to do it, you're gonna have to show me how, because I don't know how. And uh, I just said, I give up. That's a turning point in anybody's life when we turn it over to God. A couple of days later, the answers started to come. Put a Bible in every room. 
Lord, they don't even have money to cover my salary. Where in the world are we going to get Bibles? 450 at Monmouth Park, 350 at Garden State, another 400 at Atlantic City, and then I stopped. I said, I'm sorry, Lord. I'll put a Bible in every room if that's what you want. But you know I can't buy them. You'll have to provide them. Two days later, my telephone rang at home. It was a total stranger, a man that I had never met, and to this day, I don't know him. My wife answered the phone, and he said, we understand your husband has left the pasture to go into a new ministry. My wife says, that's right. He hasn't gone to the dogs. He's gone to the horses. And he said to her, well, we'd like to have a share in that ministry. And she said, well, what did you have in mind? Well, I'm from the American Bible Society, and we would like to provide Bibles for your husband, as many as he needs, for as long as he needs them, free. And I'll never forget when the first shipment arrived at Monmouth Park, the biggest tractor-trailer truck in the world. They sent 450 cases of Bibles free. What a thrilling answer to prayer. And we'll be continuing our interview with Reverend Homer Tricules on our next program. Yes, and although Pastor Tricules is now celebrating with the Lord in heaven, we felt it would be good for all of you to hear about this brother's dedication to the Lord in wanting to care for those in desperate need, even those in a world that he knew nothing about. How inspiring it is to hear how the Lord sees and cares and moves in a powerful way for people in places that we may have no idea of. You're listening to Connections with Rich and Bobby, and we'd love to have you subscribe to our podcast on this platform or any of the others like iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Also, if you've missed a program or would like to hear this current one again or to invite other people to listen, just go to our website at connectionswithrichandbobby.com. Also, all of our contact information is there. This is Connections, connecting with one another as Romans 1 verse 12 says, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So thank you for listening, and remember, tell others and spread the word, God's word. And don't forget to join us next time on Connections with Rich and Bobby. Bobby.